Hey everybody, Dave Riesinger here, Redeemed Church Online, and uh, we've got a great word for you today. So stay tuned in. I know you're going to be blessed. Um, we're concluding our series in Psalm 23, or the 23rd Psalm. We've been six weeks in six verses in the most familiar and famous passage, probably in all of the scripture. And I don't know about you, but this series has ministered to me personally. And to be honest, I'm kind of sad that we're ending it, right? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had that before. Like you come to the end of something, you know you got to move on, and there's a little sadness. My, my daughter reads a lot, and so she, she has these books, and like she'll savor the last page. I've seen her in tears because she didn't want the book or the series to end. Or, you know, maybe it's that uh, sixth grade uh, summer camp that you went to. Come on, can I get an amen if you ever went to sixth grade summer camp? I remember vividly at the end of it, you know, kids are crying, taking their last pictures with their friends and their camp counselors. But in particular, there was one guy in my cabin and he refused to leave. He did, he's also the kid that was in the middle of the night crawling into my bag to sneak candy. I caught him twice and uh, he didn't want to go home. He's, he's crying and he's like, I'm going to stay here. And the camp counselor with all of his wisdom said, hey, look, buddy, if you if you stay here, maybe you don't understand. No one's going to be here. Um, you're going to suffer starvation and bears are going to maul you. you. You have to go. So he ended up getting on the bus, not because of the bears, but because of starvation. So can we give a shout out to all of our camp counselors who are rocking wisdom to children? So that was a uh, little way to say I'm sad, but I'm not that sad that we're ending because we're going to move on to some greater things. But God in verse six, this is what we're going to cover. Verse 6 of chapter 23, God saves the best for last, and we're going to see that. But I want to start this sermon specifically with a question, and the question is this. Have you ever felt like someone or something was following you? Come on, just reach into your memory, you know, that time that you're driving and You've taken one turn, two turns, and then like three turns, and the same car is kind of behind you. Like, how could we be going to the same place? And you're not panicked, but then after five, six, seven turns, you realize that, man, this person might be actually following you, and you start tripping. Can I get an amen if you felt that? Uh, I had that happen recently. Um, you know, and you're thinking to yourself like, oh, shoot, what do I do? You know, uh, you're trying to get a glimpse of who they are. Should I call the cops? Or maybe you do like me and you just, uh, you don't put the blinker on and you just take that last second turn to try and shake them, right? Have you ever done that? I've done that. Uh, police officers, if you're watching, don't turn me in. I was just trying to save my own life. Um, but I don't know if you've ever felt that, like you're being followed. I used to have this video game when I was a kid and it was a driving game, and while you're driving, you could actually pop smoke in the back, and you could like fume them out, and they'd get lost, or you could do an oil slick, and release oil, and they'd spin out. I want to get that installed in my car, um, but I don't know if you felt like that, or camping, uh, hiking. How many out there hike? You've been in the forest, you do a little hunting. You know, I remember when I first got into that, I was told, hey, when you go out into the woods, you might not see anything for a long time. Maybe a bird here or there. Um, you're looking for elk or you're looking for deer, but just know this. Now for all you hikers, all you campers, this is good advice. You should know this. This guy, he was this, the master of the woods, right? He was the animal whisperer. But he said, 
you could be hiking for miles and not see anything and the whole time you could have a cougar stalking you, right? I'm not talking about an older woman here. I'm talking about the animal, like a mountain lion. Sorry, y'all don't go out in the woods very much and I had to clarify. So, but you could have, that's so unnerving that you could have this massive mountain lion stalking you and you wouldn't even know it. You know, what about spiritually? First Peter 5, 8 says this, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. So spiritually, the Bible says that Satan is following you. He is stalking you. He is trying to find the ability to devour or consume your joy or consume your hope or, or, or take away your peace of mind or, or eat up your relationships. And the Bible says, it doesn't say to be afraid, it says be alert. But here's the cool thing, and this is why I believe that this verse God saved for the, va- the last part of this um, because it teaches us something else that's following us even when the enemy's trying to follow us. Verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Don't you love this? That even when the enemy is following you, even when sometimes the the, the thoughts of your failures seem to follow you from one season to another season, the sure reality for the believer in Jesus Christ is that regardless of what the enemy's up to, regardless of the whispers he's putting in your heart, regardless of the people that are reminding you of the way you failed or how you fall short, and those things seem to follow you into all these places, we must know the shepherd, but we must know that his goodness and his mercy are following us all the days of our lives. And I think this is so important because when we don't realize that, we don't look for it. And when we don't look for it, we tend not to appreciate it because out of sight, out of mind. And when we don't recognize that goodness and mercy are there, constantly working on behalf of the believer, we can miss out on the benefits, the hope and the faith that that should bring us in any given moment or season. So I love this because think about the whole picture of this sheep shepherd relationship. As I look forward unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, my shepherd, I'm looking forward because what's he doing? He's leading me. He's leading me beside still water. He's guiding me on paths of righteousness. And so my eyes are forward and I'm looking at Jesus and and I'm trying to follow him. But while I'm following him, behind me is following goodness and mercy. Right, I love this because goodness in the Hebrew, it just means God's pleasantness. It's his sweetness, his welfare, his prosperity, his bounty. It's the excellence of God. You know that God, no, I want you to hear this. God cannot be anything but good. It's not like God has good days and bad days, right? Our world is up and down. Your your emotions are up and down. Some of you have been on a roller coaster lately. But the goodness of God is steady. Do you realize that God, regardless of how good you're doing, how faithful, how obedient, how awesome your walk is right now, or how terrible it is, 
Do you realize that God's goodness toward you cannot change? And that even, even in discipline, even in times that you feel like he's far away, that because God is perfect, he cannot make a mistake with how he handles you. He cannot make a mistake in how he relates with you or how he teaches you. It is impossible for God, who is goodness, to do anything other than be good towards you all the days of your life. Now, I don't always feel like that. And there are times that I haven't, I haven't actually believed that. But if I believe that, then it keeps me pursuing the one who will lead me the, where, the places that I'm supposed to go as I'm preparing to enter the house of the Lord forever. Think about this. Um, we say, well, how did Adam and Eve fall? How did they, how did they become cursed? We, we might say, well, they ate, some people call it the apple. It was probably a pomegranate. I don't know what it was, but they ate the forbidden fruit. That's how they fell. Well, not really. Do you know that Eve actually ate of a false image of God before she ate of the fruit? Do you realize that Satan's great strategy, you know, you've heard the, the term, the oldest trick in the book. The oldest trick in the book was to get Eve to question God's goodness. Once she minimized the goodness of God in her mind and her heart, she actually maximized the pleasure of the forbidden. So this is why it's important to understand what his goodness is and that it follows us all the days of our life. But it says not just goodness follows us, but mercy. Mercy in Hebrew just means his loving kindness. And it, uh, it definitely extends beyond just that word. We, we've probably heard the saying, and maybe you've heard it before, never ask in prayer God to give you what you deserve. And this is good advice, okay? Because if I got what I deserved, I would get eternity separated from God. A better prayer is to say, God, give me what I don't deserve. And you know what God gives us in that category? He gives us this thing called mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give you what you deserve, right? And grace is an extension of mercy. So grace is when God doesn't just not give you what you uh, don't deserve, but grace is when God gives you the good things that you don't deserve. And David is saying this, goodness and mercy are following me all the days of my life. Can you believe that for yourself? Because God cannot lie. And if you are a follower of Christ and you've believed on him as savior, then this promise is sure and true to you. And you know what? There's a reason goodness and mercy follow you. And I'm going to break this down in a second, but it's been said that his goodness is for my steps and his mercy is for my stumbles. Did, did you catch that? The reason they're two separate things is that I need God's goodness, which allows me to walk in the power of his presence, the power of, in the presence of Christ himself, but I need his mercy, which forgives me and restores me when I choose to walk outside of his presence. Can I get an amen if you've ever walked outside of his presence? Now, I know theologically you can't go anywhere without his presence going with you, but there's been times that I've turned my back and Jesus says, go this way. And I'm like, I kind of feel like going this way. And then I go this way. And I've got goodness and mercy that pull me back to his way. Because it gets painful out there. It gets lonely out there. 
it gets uh, depressing when I walk outside of his path for my life. And so we have goodness and mercy. Goodness follows me to provide and mercy, it follows me to pardon, right? So I need provision, but because we're fallen human beings and we live in a fallen world and we're prone to temptation, I don't need just God to provide open doors and revelation and encouragement because Dave is a knucklehead on his way to being more perfect tomorrow than I am today, but never will receive perfection until I get into the place of perfection when Christ himself, I see him face to face and I get my new mind and fullness and my new body in this kingdom. Until then, I still got some stuff, some junk to work out in my life. Therefore, I need his provision, but I need his pardon. Without his forgiveness, where would I be? Without his mercy, my God, where would we be? And so those things God has assigned as we're looking at Christ and we're following Jesus behind us, it's like two sheepdogs. Have you ever seen these, uh, I can't, border collies, I don't know what they're called. But they've got these dogs that they run behind the sheep. Now check this picture out, it's so beautiful. The sheep work in conjunction with the shepherd. The shepherd's trying to lead the sheep, guide the sheep, feed the sheep, protect the sheep. And then these sheepdogs, they come behind the shepherd to do the will of the shepherd and they start to corral and move and encourage and prompt the sheep to move in that direction. You know, these dogs aren't trained to bite the sheep. They're not trained to attack the sheep. In fact, they're trained to uh, not be, uh, cause fear in the sheep, but they do provide this, like, this, this support to move the sheep forward. And we have these two sheepdogs in our life that when we get off track or we need a reminder, goodness and mercy are working on our behalf for our good and for the glory of God. Can I get an amen today if you believe that, that God has assigned these two things to your life as you are working toward your finish line so that one day when you cross over into eternity and you spend forever and ever in the house of God, your reward will be great because goodness and mercy have kept you on the path of righteousness in the will of God. You know, we don't tend to notice things that are behind us until we stop and we turn around and we look at the ground we've covered. I notice what's in front of me. My eyes are in the front of my head, right? And I, I don't tend to sometimes recognize that goodness and mercy have been there. Have you ever been in that situation where, uh, man, I, I'm in a tough spot and you know, my marriage would be under attack or my finances or maybe there's stuff within the body of Christ and it's just one of those rough moments and I'm trying to move forward and I'm trying to see, God, what is ahead and what are you saying? And I'm not looking behind and in those moments, I'm like, God, you got to show up. Like, I need some help here. Lord, I need, I need breakthrough. I need some, some peace. I need some goodness and mercy. And we don't see it because we're not looking behind. But you get down the road, and then you look back, and you realize, wow, that whole time, goodness and mercy were there. I just couldn't see it because my eyes were fixed on trying to find a solution. Or maybe my eyes were fixed on the, the wolves that were attacking. 
or, or, or maybe my eyes were fixed on what God might have been saying in any given moment. But the whole time, I promise you, this might be some, hard for some of you to hear because maybe you could, you'd say, man, you don't know, Dave, what I went through. You don't understand the trauma that I faced. There's no way that goodness and mercy were there with me. And I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm not trying to take away from the heartbreak that you felt or the process of healing that you're in. But I can look back at my life and I can say, you know what? When my dad was on heroin and he was punching holes in the wall and I was, in, I was an abused, full-fledged, like I was a child who was abused. And I'm not saying it was good. Now hear me, I'm not saying it was good, but when I look back, I can see the goodness of God was there bringing me through it. I can say when I look back at my past, I can see mercy and how God spared me and how God even spared my dad who was the abuser and he came to Christ. I can look back and say everything that I went through, no, it wasn't good, but because of his goodness and mercy, that were there and then worked in my life, especially when I found Christ, I now can relate to people that are broken. I can relate to sex addiction, drug addiction, depression, anger. Because of everything I saw, it's given me a wider realm of compassion. And as goodness and mercy have built into me and the ministry that I have, the ability to recognize have compassion for, and help folks walk out of the trauma I went through that wasn't good, but it was marked by the goodness and mercy of God who got me through it. So I hope that makes sense to you. But, you know, so everywhere we go, goodness and mercy. I want to wrap up with a, a story here. My daughter, she's 14. She's about to turn 15. And I tell her constantly, I may not allow her to turn 15. Um, I don't want my little baby growing up in some ways, but I know she has to. So the other day, uh, this is a couple months ago, she says, hey, me and some friends want to go pray, play uh, Ultimate Frisbee down at the school. And I'm like, okay, who's all going to be there? Well, it's going to be my friends and then her older brother and then some of his friends. And I'm like, okay, you know, as a dad, my ears perk up. Like, okay, how old are these boys? Well, some are our age, some are in high school, some are um, college friends of her brother. And, uh, and so as dad, you know, I'm like, I want to know where my daughter's going and I want to watch out for her. And uh, I had to explain to her, look, I'm not trying to like, um, quiz you and I'm not assuming the worst, but honey, back in my day, there were boys, believe this or not, there were boys that had motives that didn't align with the motives of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I know that boys aren't like that today, but you, you got to at least let me ask the question because of some boys that I've experienced, not me, but boys that I've experienced in the past. And so I knew it's a new day, a new hour. So once I did the, uh, you know, the inquiry um, and I knew some of the people that'd be there, I let her go. But as a father who looks out for his daughter, I let her get established at the field. Then I took my son, Caleb, who's 18, and uh, we decided to play goodness and mercy and we were gonna follow my daughter on this day of her life. And so, you know, what's sad is that there's so many parents, I bet, that had no idea where their kids were. As a youth pastor, I've seen this time and time again. We've had students at our house at one, two in the morning, girls, 14, 15 year old girls that came over for some get together when my son was that age, and their parents had no idea where they were, 
and they couldn't get a ride home and so we had to finagle that. But I'm not gonna be that parent. And so I told my son, I said, hey, I don't wanna embarrass her, but let's just go off in the distance. I just wanna make sure that these dudes are not messing with my daughter and that everything's fine. I just wanna get my eyes on it. So we went up on this distant hill and we looked down on this field and we were, goodness and mercy, following my daughter, watching out for her. And it was funny because I think she noticed us and then I realized she actually did because she recounted the story. Um, I said, hey, how did it go? <laughs> and she said, oh, it was awesome, it was fun. And, but there were these two creepy guys that were up on the hill. She had no idea it was me and her brother. Uh, there were these two creepy guys up on the hill just like staring at all of us the whole time. And I'm like, how do you know they were creepy guys? Maybe they were angels. And she's like, dad, they weren't angels. They were like super creepy. And I'm like, what made them creepy? And because they just stood there and they just watched us the whole time. And I said, well, maybe they were creepy angels, right? And, uh, and then I told her, no, it was us. And I just wanted to make sure that you guys were good. And of course, she didn't say, oh, dad, thank you so much. She's like, please, God, never do that again, right? So uh, that to say, uh, the point being that everywhere you go, no matter what situation you're in, no matter how hard it feels right now, if you look up on the hillside of your life, you're going to see goodness and mercy watching out for you and watching over you as you are following the shepherd. I promise you that God has assigned this to your life and the way things go and the doors you walk through and how things turn out, understand this, that the fingerprints of goodness and mercy will be all over those seasons and those spaces and those places in your life. And my prayer is that you and I would lean into this idea that we would learn more to recognize what God is doing and what he's up to so that we can walk with the hope and the assurance that I don't need to feel anxiety right now. I don't need to doubt God. I don't need to question his word because I have learned to find goodness and mercy showing up in my world. And I love this because they're there to keep us in the fold, to keep us in genuine faith. They're there to help us walk uh, toward a strong finish of our race as we prepare to enter heaven, the house of the Lord, forever and ever. And I'll close with this. Uh, you know, D.L. Moody um, had this amazing saying, and when we look back, do you notice that goodness and mercy didn't show up until verse 6? This is six verses, but they don't show up until verse 6 because we read from 1 to 6. But if we read it backwards and we read from verse six back to verse one, you would actually see that goodness and mercy were there the entire time in every single verse. They showed up in this psalm. And D.L. Moody puts it so well. Um, this is a beautiful observation of all the directional language of Psalm 23. He writes this, and let this be true in your own spirit. With me is the Lord, beneath me, green pastures. Beside me are still waters. Before me is a table. Around me are my enemies. After me, goodness and mercy. And ahead of me, the house of the Lord 
forever and ever and ever. You know, I don't want anyone to miss out on that promise of eternity, but Jesus said it himself very plainly. The vast majority of people will end up in hell. I know that sounds unpopular in today's PC culture, but Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it, not because God predestined people to go to hell in the masses. It's because people did not want to submit or surrender to the shepherd, the only one who could lead you to life. God never predestined anyone. I do not believe with that idea. God said, I would that none would perish, but all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the Bible says that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But for those who don't receive the shepherd, you cannot receive eternal life. And this is where goodness and mercy are being extended to you right now. This might be the last message you hear before your soul is required of you. God forbid, I pray you live a long life, but we've got a lot of people in this country dying right now, and I can't help to think that, yes, it's sad that someone loses their life, but it's even more terrible that they would lose their soul forever when the entire time goodness and mercy were extended saying, you can have new life, you can be my child, you can be forgiven of your sin, you can be part of the family, and you know what? I tried to shake a dude who I thought was following me the other day, and I did shake him, but I can't shake goodness and mercy. It will never leave me. It will be with me for the rest of my life because the shepherd assigned it to me. And today you can be saved, forgiven, and you can guarantee that you will be in the house of the Lord forever if you believe on Jesus. So I wanna close in a prayer, and I want to participate in a miracle of new life with you. If you're watching and you've never put your faith and trust in him, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And I believe, like the Bible promises, that you will be infilled with the Holy Spirit. Your shame, your guilt, your condemnation will be washed away. And God will start something new in your life as he makes you a new creation. Come on, pray this with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every person watching, Lord, would just right now surrender and confess that you are Lord. And as you're watching and you're hearing me pray, I just want you to make this your prayer as well. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross to wash away my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead so I could have eternal life. And right now, I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender my past, my present, my will, my agenda, and I call you Lord. And I thank you right now that because you are my Savior, that every sin I've ever committed has now been washed away and I receive the righteousness of Christ. I receive total forgiveness and I am clean in the eyes of God. Now God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just ask him right now, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, empower me to live a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that and you need someone to help you walk out the next steps, please go online, go to redeem.church. Let us know that you received Christ and we can give you
some direction on the next steps. You need to get involved in a church. You need to be around other believers. Hey, we love you. Thank you for tuning in. Share this message if you think it'll be a blessing to someone else. And remember that goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. God bless.